Hello, and welcome back to my large echoey room. I'm going to apologise straight away for my large echoey room. Um, ad hoc, um, you know, for a comeback, you'd think I'd have the time to set up a proper space, but alas, no. Um, the, the baby life is not about finding conducive spaces to record audio podcasts. But welcome back to I'm Thinking of Spoiling Things. Speaking of I'm, I'm Stephen. <laughs> I'm joined, as always, by Vaughn. Hello, Paul. Hello, Stephen. Welcome back. Congratulations on your your child. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. It's been yes. a been a yes. decent break, but I'm excited to be back talking about movies. Yeah. So, I wanted us um, to cover every film <laughs> that came out since we've been away, which <laughs> immediately to me sounded like a joke when you first said that. Which, and when you first said that, it was a couple months before now. And you said, let's just cover everything we missed. And I said, well, yeah. we will end up with like three hour episodes with just a couple movies. So this seems like a bad idea. But you pitched a, a, a speed round version instead. Yes, I did. So we came up with a list of the joint films, um, which are here in an order. Um, but actually, I don't think we should go through them in this order. I think okay. you should pick one and then cross it off and the next person picks another one and crosses it off oh boy okay the, <laughs> the way my well, notes are set up is like in. this is going to be <laughs> okay that's because the order they're in is where we type them in I don't think it really makes sense as a let's talk through them in this order um, I mean there, I don't think there's any order we could really come up with that would make a whole lot of sense but sure I mean okay. we can do whatever you know what let's go in the order that's there let's, let's take the order that's there okay that's fine we'll go for it um, made no difference so to the audience <laughs> <laughs> Makes no difference. You won't even know. So we have this many films. The films we're going to talk about are A Haunting in Venice, Showing Up, Theatre Camp, Bottoms, No One Will Save You, Where's Anderson Shorts as One Block, Silent Night, which is in there twice apparently, Passing Time, Kills the Flower Moon, The Crater, Kane Mutiny, that's the Kane Mutiny Court Martial, the new version, Strange Way of Life, The Killer, Divinity, Passages, Anatomy of a Fall, May December, Godzilla Minus One, Saltburn, Taylor Swift presents the Eras Tour, Maestro, How to Have Sex, Priscilla, Napoleon, Wonka, Ferrari, The Boys in the Boat, and Fallen Leaves. Uh, that is all correct, except for passages, which I did not have. Well, I did have time to watch, but didn't oh, watch, so I didn't get to it in time. You, I was just about to say that I didn't catch a review for that one, so I didn't see if you liked it or not. Uh, for the record, I think Passages is really, really great. Um, so you can, you can have that from me for free. Passages well, there you is go. awesome. And I still, still would like to year. watch it. Um, but did not get to it. Really great film. So do you want to explain really the, the rules that you have come up with? Yeah, it's a lot of movies. So um, we're going to be as reductive as possible. <laughs> we're going to take in turns to read out a film, and then we're simply going to say good or bad. No okay, no great, no terrible. It is either good or it is bad. So if you're slightly on the fence, which I am about a few of these, you have to just go, you know what? Pick bad. a stance. So there are, there are films here that I admit are good, but I'm just going to go, that's bad. There are films here that I think are actually bad. And there are films here that are pretty bad, but I'm going to say, that's good. Um, and some of them I haven't quite decided on yet. Now, if we both agree, we'll have a two-minute agreement session where we talk about it briefly, and we ostensibly agree. If we disagree, we have up to five minutes to talk, and then it gets cut off next movie. It's like a French courtroom. We're just like chaos. Just like a French <laughs> Did I not? Oh, I don't have to. It's on there. It's on there. On this yeah. list. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, those are the rules. Now, 
that means we won't really have time unless in our argument or conversation we give the outline of what the film is. Um, so is it worth going through and giving a brief note for each one first, or should we give a brief note as we say it and then go into the conversation? A note for what, sorry? Like of what the film is. Oh. Um hmm. I feel like that. I think when we say it, the person just says this film is blah. Um, uh, yeah, we, I guess uh-huh. we can just kind of briefly, but I think we have to include yeah. our summary in our either our agreement or our debate. Oh, okay, okay. I yeah, think it's so got to be part of so our I timing. Just, like, I can just filibuster you <laughs> sure. and not let, not let I mean, you talk about the killer by just describing the entire plot. I didn't. I mean, sure. If you want to turn it into that, then that'll be what it yeah, ends up being. Cool. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna killer buster you. Okay. Um, so, all right. So I will begin with a haunting in Venice, and I'm gonna say bad. And I will absolutely agree with you. It is bad. Okay. Start the timer. Starting the timer. Um, so this is the last film my wife watched before giving birth. Um, last of the cinema. Um, so, that's, you know, it's got that going on. This is the best of the Kenneth Branagh Poirot films, do you agree? Uh, I have not seen Death on the Nile, don't want to, um, but it that's is better than Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. Um, I don't think and, either of them are good, though. No, I think it's, it's, it's that weird thing, if this is the best of those films, and it is still bad, it is the kind of film where a lot of people will tell you it's got good cinematography, because it's got a lot of stylistic random choices of angles, um, it looks bad, but it's just going for wild Dutch angle madness and strange like setups the whole time. But I think it's it's a it's a bad looking movie. It's 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 a really mediocre movie, and I think that Brenna is just making a lot of pretty much the most boring decisions he possibly could with a character yeah. that could be very fun. And this one, yeah, like you said, it just happens to have an attempt at a visual aesthetic so it seems like it's much more impressive but it's really just yeah. more of the same which is not very exciting yeah it is it's just dressing up something that's actually really quite bland to make it seem eccentric um it's got michelle yo in it um so that's always a bit of a bonus but there's always some kind of good actors in these but it's not very interesting i'll be honest i wrote a lot about it at the time i don't remember really anything about it at this point and i don't I want just, to really look up. I mean, I watched it a couple days ago. There's yeah. just not much to say about it. Tina Fey's bad. And right. I don't know why she's in it. Um, no, no, totally. But yeah, even the cast as a whole is just, it seems, it's like much less impressive other than like a couple of standout performances than... Uh, and it doesn't make any sense. I know none of them make any sense, but no. I they should at least try to, to make <laughs> some sense. Uh, yeah. Uh, that kid's super crap. annoying. I hate that kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it reminded me of that one scene in Casino Royale where um, she drowns in a Venetian house. Oh, well, time's up, so no more of that. There you go. <laughs> it's just cut off. Showing up. Okay, sorry, so, so you you introduce the next film then. Well, there's nothing to introduce. The introduction has to be in our in our debate. But I yes, will say... But, you, but you're starting off. Showing up, good. Good. And I will say I, it's good, but I like it less than most... Um, I think I'm kind of lukewarm on it, but I don't know, like as far as the Kelly Reichardt I've seen, it is not my favorite. And I feel like it's the kind of movie that I should like a lot, but I didn't find a whole lot in it. <laughs> and I know that everyone else that I, uh, I, I know loves it a lot. 
and it won our uh, Pacific Northwest so Filmmaking good. Award. So it's 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 so good. It's just I, I wrote about this in my review, but there was a, a thing when people were talking about when Boa's Afraid came out, and it sounds really weird, and people were like this is like bold new filmmaking. I'm like, is it like giving giving a an out there director three hours and lots of money doesn't seem really out there to me i feel like showing up is really bold different filmmaking because it's so intimate and different and and small scale and about the type of people that you don't usually films about because they're not Mm, their lives aren't like hugely narrativized and it's this great film about about showing up about being there day by day um i feel that it, it struck a really personal chord with me in a way that i will not about too much of the dynamic between the siblings mm, is yeah. really really good and it can get to you can be doing really well and your parents can recognize that but you may have a sibling who attracts more negative attention mm, and yeah. that can shift the balance of things and still can right. overshadow and it's not like a judgmental thing and it's not always their fault um and i thought that was a really a, a, a dynamic that I very much understood and found really, really interesting. I thought it was portrayed so well when it gets to the the end thing, and that person is showing up and showing them up, and it's just like when the title became polysemic in that way, I was, I was really enamored by it. And I love the the through line of the nurturing the pigeon, and letting it fly, and that being like that's the narrative of the film that's been happening the time because it actually is her narrative, and she has grown in interesting ways, and it's just a clever, intimate, complex film that seems like nothing really happens, but the moment you stop to think of it, you're like there was so much in this and it was so interesting and there's just so much under the hood. I thought it was absolutely outstanding. Well, I would say more, but the time's up, so that'll be... That's showing up. Steven showed up for that one. Mm. <laughs> Theater camp. Theater camp. That's you good. first. I agree. It is very good. Um, I was genuinely very surprised by how much I, I enjoyed really it. Theater camp. What you did, I thought it was 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 good, but not great. I did. I, I just I don't know. I found it really charming and endearing, and I feel like it found a perfect balance and kind of a difficult line to walk where it is okay. kind of endearingly cringe, and it's not like overbearingly so. <laughs> <laughs> like it doesn't go too far into I'm just like annoyed. Um, but it is kind of enjoyable, and you can kind of you get a sense of the character through that. I think what it builds up to is really, really good. I think that yeah. that, that final musical number that, that brings it together is, is excellent. I think I just this sounds like such a petty critique, but I find the um, mockumentary stuff pointless. Oh, it is. Um, it is. I agree. Get, gets in, and stylistically gets in the way and also limits it and it would be better film if it, if it wasn't there I also just preferred I watched the short film afterwards and it made me realise why I wanted that more the short film is meaner it's way meaner okay. and it, the joke is on these people as in on these people who are have failed to deliver right. lives for children <laughs> and it's so the the short film goes to places i wanted the film okay. to go to this is very much like uplifting nice core which isn't always for me mm. um, but i think it is good it's got some really good jokes in it i think it, it builds to a really nice ending that's well earned i meant it's to good. get to the to the short film but i didn't get a chance to get to it's it really yeah, it's, it's really fun um and definitely just Neither are great but the short film is more my kind of thing and it was one that had gotten a lot of um, positive attention throughout the year, and it played at SIF and everything, and I just kept putting it off because it didn't seem like it was for me, and so it was definitely when I finally was like, all right, I'm going to sit down and watch yeah, this, and I was, I was like, oh, this is just, this is very fun, and I'm having a great time, and it is very funny. Um, I like, I just always enjoy seeing Jimmy Tatro as like a dumb bro guy. Uh, I think that's just, <laughs> he, was, he, was very <laughs> he nails it. It's always what he does, but he's good at it, so I can't knock him for it. 
Well, moving on to bottoms, on. which I think is good. I'm going to say bad, controversially. Ooh. All right. You know, we get a long disagreement period here. I don't think I've actually <sighs> really talked to you about this at all, even just in our normal conversation. Nobody agrees with my take on bottoms, <laughs> okay. so I'm going to make this point now. Nobody <laughs> agrees with this at all. Everyone, and people have been alarmed by my take on bottoms okay. that have made me seem psychotic. Um I think Bottoms has a serious escalation issue um, because there was a point partway through, and this is the spoiling podcast, where there was a literal car bomb when I was like, okay, hell yes. And from that point, when you have a car bomb part through your film, it needs to go up. Mm. And I feel it goes down from that point. And I found the climax of this film so metaphorically bloodless and toothless and just mm. like, eh. They spend so much time, there are good jokes about how this team are like, dangerous like it builds up that game and it's that great conversation before that finale with that lady in that trailer park of like you're like this is this is going to be bad like real 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 bad and you're like oh what is this team going to do and it even cuts to a shot which is like an homage to heathers um and my problem is in a post heathers world i expect a film to go harder than heathers does Mm. and it doesn't i'm like "Mm." and there's this shot that implies that this team are going to literally blow up a stand and kill everybody. And I was like, oh damn, that's a re- that's that's what I want here. And their plan is just to actually spread a bit of is it is it orange juice or like lemon juice to make I can't remember now. To exacerbate one person's allergy, and I'm like, that is bad, but it's like kind of uninterestingly bad hmm. and a bit the bullets are much and they have that fight at the end and the fight I wanted the film to end up like Rikio the story of Rikio and I know I mean, that was never going to happen definitely but not people should have been punching through people like it, this is why I sound unhinged I'm really sorry <laughs> about this but I wanted it to be like comedically over the top violence and I the film just never really went there at any point for me and okay i mean i i don't even think i necessarily disagree with you i think the movie is great and i had a ton of fun with it and i i but i do agree that i think that it could have gone more over the top with it and i can't disagree with the point that it is doesn't go as hard as heathers which you know Mm. agreed in a post heathers world you gotta you know step over the top of that but I do think the rest of it is so much fun, and I think it does a perfect thing of calling back to a very specific era of comedy while kind of satirizing and elevating the best parts of that specific era and you know, being able to drop the stuff that you go back to and go, oh, this is... This did not age well. Like, why were we making comedy like this in this time? And so I yeah. think it it's the right kind of nostalgia um, that does the right things. And I like um, Emma Seligman. Is that the director? I like her uh, a lot. And I, I, like the I cast really a lot. liked her previous film. And I, I felt her previous film was like, this is a, a different, bold, interesting style of comedy. And I just... I it's one of the worst things of a comedy is not it being bad sometimes it's more just like oh i can see what that's funny but i'm not finding it funny and that was me the whole way through being like i can see where that is a joke that works but it's just it's just it's just not hitting being like i can see where that why that line works but it's just not hitting for me and my horrible critique is everyone's just trying too hard like everyone's just so trying so hard the whole time and Hmm. it all feels very very forced to me 
see, it's kind of the, like, I, I get that, and I think you're not wrong that everyone's trying very hard, but it kind of worked for me for some reason. I, mm. I thought all of the, they should the try humor... That job. They should <laughs> I thought all the humor landed very well, but that may be one of those things where I think especially comedy can be really aided by seeing something in a theater versus mm. watching it by yourself at home. Um, oh, and... My wife was there. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Um, I had a I had a very good time in the theater, laughing along with it with an audience. Um, I think I think it's very funny. I think it's very good. I don't think we're gonna hit Maybe. the five minutes. We're at four and a half. That's fine. So moving on to your <laughs> your favorite movie of the year. No one will save you. <laughs> it's awful. You're not allowed to say that. But you just have to say, say bad. <laughs> uh, bad. Uh, I'll say good. Oh, you're so wrong. So, this movie is terrible. I definitely don't think it's terrible. I think it is. It's quite good. I did mean, you watch I the last fifteen minutes of this film. I did. I did. did you just did you just skip I it? I think. I think I just like the the general premise of it so much that the way that it falls apart just doesn't matter <sighs> to me. I guess I I think. I don't know. Home alien invasion is just such a fun, great start. And I think it works with that so well for 90% of it, that the 10% of it that's stupid, I'm just like, yeah, it's stupid, but I don't know. It's, I have so much fun with the rest of it, and I like the, the classic alien design, just like the gray alien is very fun to me. It is, and, and there are bits in it that I like, and I think that's why I hate it, because, it, because it's <laughs> so shits the bed. Because it just makes some decisions that are absolutely terrible. The, the, the non-talking bit is just... A terrible decision and I think absolutely sucks um, because it doesn't make sense it's more that the film's not built around it and it should be mm. of if it was most if it committed to the bit of her being resourceful and it adopts the lens which it kind of does of you don't ever really know what's going on because you're kept with her and it feels genuinely alien in that way the threat is just like different every time and that stuff's awesome but then they feel the need to have this like trauma backstory they feel the need to actually go make her go into town at one point sort of spits in her face and doesn't say anything <laughs> and it's just like and people are like oh is it because like maybe they're aliens maybe they're not i'm like oh come on like it's at no point do you honestly think that it's just it's because it's so overtly a gimmick of no one talks and it is distracting but we need to talk about the end the end is absolutely <laughs> abysmal because throughout the whole film you're like oh this person's been, been wrong I can't believe this and then you realise that she just murdered a kid with a rock yeah no I mean it's <laughs> it's it is I will not say that it is not incredibly stupid because it is incredibly stupid it is just kind of nonsense and I felt, there is I no need bad for, it. for being like i can't believe that person's spat in her face going back i'm like yeah you know what spit in her face again she killed she killed it your does. child it, a rock. it does trick you into sympathizing with this character and their trauma and then you're like but this person is just shitty <laughs> which i mean i think she there's something to that walk off the ground and twats a kid around the head with her <laughs> which is funny <laughs> like it's a very funny scene. Not presented as a funny scene. And I think there's something to the way that it that it lulls you oh, into that false sense of security, and and then flips the narrative. Um, I don't think it works because I do think that <laughs> that that turning the film, the, the rest of the film being this like kind of morose trauma story, is just like it's a, it's an unnecessary <laughs> slog for what the fun stuff on top of that is. Mm. Um, but I like the fun stuff on top of it enough that uh, that stuff just. They couldn't drag it down for me, but I know for you, it completely turned it on its head. 
It's I don't I, you've not seen the um, Shohei Imamura film The Eel, but it's like a reverse The Eel, and <laughs> so the the eel starts with a man brutally murdering his wife, oh, okay. and then and then he is in prison for a long time. But you don't see that; you see him be released, and then you spend the rest of the film with him being arguably rehabilitated, and you as the mm. viewer have to sit knowing that and that's okay. a really interesting thing to explore that is interesting it doesn't work the other way around I, I mean i doubt they had that in mind making this movie but <laughs> that film won the palm door you know <laughs> like we're making the reverse eel we're gonna wriggle like an eel <laughs> there you go good reference um, every time my child who may not named um, is wriggling whilst i'm changing him i go wriggle like a fish wriggle <laughs> like an eel <laughs> wriggle like a fish wriggle like an eel <laughs> that rules um, yeah, he likes the riddle. We've still got time. If you've got more, uh, more to say about no one will save you. I mean, normally I am the defender of kid killing, um, <laughs> but this time, no. I mean, I do agree. I mean, it's like I like the, I like the being dialogue free, and I think that, like, it doesn't bother me that there's something like that that has no narrative, built-in narrative reason to be silent like that. Like it just is. And I kind of like that, and I kind of wish that do like that more stuff would just do that, just make a choice and be like, "This is just something we're committing to." Yeah, you but, don't need to be shot in the neck, right? But <laughs> we'll get to that later. Um, but I do agree that it's not built into the rest of the film, and that there's a lot of stuff that's just like it doesn't make sense at this point for this to have no dialogue at all. So yeah, you know, well, it'd be really funny if she had like a quippy line when she killed some of a rock as well. <laughs> You think that would have saved the movie for you? I think so. <laughs> okay. So how do you want to do... Like, rock on! How do you want to do the next four things that we have to talk about? Are we grouping them all into this, one this... discussion? Yeah, I think so, because I don't know if there's okay. that much to say about it, outside yeah, of it being like a, a thing that happened. Um, because, I mean, all of them combined are about the length of the films we've been talking about. That's true. So, the Wes Anderson shorts released on Netflix this year... I guess, we're, are we grouping them all together as good, bad? Yeah, I, mean, well, I think they're all good, so... Okay, I mean, I would agree. I think they're all good. So I, let's, uh, I'll have, we'll have our <laughs> agreement session. Um, you want to just go quickly go through them, rattle them off? Yeah, so this is four Rodol um, stories. Um, Wes Anderson obviously already did Fantasy Mr. Fox, which is maybe his best movie. Um, his mm. second best for me, probably, behind Life Aquatic. Um just a really stunning film. This is him returning to it. It's just such a great sensibility. It's like quirky. I think people forget that Wes Anderson has a has a real bite to him. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I think Roald Dahl really plays into the sensibility of he can really go for it, but he's still charming. His Roald Dahl and his semitism aside, um, is very good <laughs> at being charming and nasty. I was reading the, as I'm sure you were, I, I read The Enormous Crocodile just last week. Um, right, yep. Which is still a banger, I have to say, um, and just ends with the crocodile being thrown into the sun and dying. Um, well, that's I cool. forget that's how yeah, it's ended. just like the Eternals. So, yeah, um, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so maybe that was good, um, but yeah, the, the sensibility works. It's I like the repeated actors coming back. Yeah, me too. It's such a cool device. I love the production design. One of them is like the closest to Michael Haneke um, that was Anderson's ever got. The Swan. Mm, yeah. Um, it's a bit with a white ribbony. Love that about it. And I thought Poison, the last one, was, was genuinely great. Poison's in how really it good. Used cinematic technique yeah. and built to 
a really interesting point that's kind of like a dark joke at the same time and it's just really really good i didn't like the first one as much as the other ones even though it's independently better than some of them i just don't think it really fit with the tone of the three that followed it i think it's a bit of a wrong yeah foot. yeah it, it is quite different because it is more just straightforwardly kind of charming and fun and the rest With of them the, yeah. have this this dark tilt to them that that one does not have at all but i do like uh the wonderful story of henry sugar quite a lot i think by itself i think i'd have liked it more mm. um but i thought the the last three worked together so interestingly as this kind of like concrete tone and take though i think the is it the rat catcher mm-hmm. is, is is definitely the weakest for me i think okay. swan's really interesting and poison's brilliant um but a good collection of shots well, there you go. That's Wes Anderson shorts. Uh, moving on to our second silent film <laughs> of the day. Isn't it lovely that that I'm, I'm you know because maybe I do maybe I love both of these, but as we know on record that I'm more of a silent film person, right? Um, is, so we'll, we'll 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 see how this goes. Uh, so John Woo's Silent Night. Uh, I'm gonna take a bold stance as one of the very few people I think, uh, just in general. Um, that really like this movie, but I think it is good. I think it is bad. Which is pretty much what I expected. Uh, I At this point, not expecting anyone to uh, to like it as much as I do. But I think it's great. I really do. I, I feel like I Why? see something that... <laughs> I feel like I see something that nobody else does, but... In a bubble? I, I think it's so easy to look at it and say that it is just kind of another templated revenge movie but i don't know that's good you said it for me (laughs) but i i think it's just the opposite of that like i think that it is i think it's very intentionally making fun of its protagonist and that he is not at all like the hero of his story like he thinks he is and pretty much every action that he takes uh just makes everything worse and just leads to death for no reason um and there's like no catharsis in it that i think you would find in uh the rest of this kind of genre i can (laughs) see why you would read it that way i just don't get like to what end and like i don't see what's what's interesting about it doing that if it's just going to just present to me the same tropes that i expect along the way to to do that and maybe that's just more of a of what i'm getting out of the film thing the one thing i will say is it it does answer a question you may have about cinema have, have you seen the short film um, the red balloon yes i have yeah and this this if you ever watched red balloon and been like what would happen if this kid was killed in a drive-by shooting right um it, it does answer that question so i i, I do like that about it um <laughs> But even that bit, even even the kid death is not is not as good as I want it to be because the the opening is is wildly confusing, and then gives you a flashback. I had to watch the opening of the film twice because I was like, did I miss something? And then later there's a flashback that actually does what the opening of the film should do properly. So I was like, yeah, fair what, enough. What quite is actually going on here? Um, and I knew the premise going in is that silent protagonist Mm -hmm. i didn't know that everyone around him was going to be silent i think that's a terrible decision um but it it feels so stupid to me that he starts silent and i was like yep got it he's silent and then a thing happens to him which means he can't talk i'm like he's not spoken anyway what's the what's the difference 
No, I mean, I, I think that's almost the same. It's like the same in a different way uh, as No One Will Save You, where I'm like, if you want to just have nobody talk, then you can just have nobody talk. You don't necessarily <laughs> need to justify it by having him get shot in the throat. Like, that's fine. But I also, <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know. I, I Maybe I'm giving John Woo too much credit, but uh, I'm, I'm also fine with giving John Woo too much credit because he's John Woo. It's more that it, it expands that gimmick to the other characters. Or for some reason, his partner just doesn't speak, even in flashback scenes. And there are points where others around him speak, but the sound mix has it so it's inaudible. I'm like, he's not deaf. Like, what's going on? Why can't he hear people? What's, what is this? Bro? Understandable. It's, it's just so strange to me and so, like, politicalated. And the thing that I... I don't love John Woo as much as you do, but I do love mm. John Woo, and I would say Bill and Head is one of my favourite films. Like, I mean, absolutely it's one love of the best film. in general. And Hardboiled is one of one of the greatest action movies ever made. Absolutely, um, and it, I, it's because I hold John Woo to such a high bar, even with Mission Impossible Two, which I really like. Great. It's like you can do better than this, and things like the representation of gang violence in this film. I'm like, normally I wouldn't be as uppity about this, but you're so good at imbuing humanity into people have been forced into crime people that that live these mm. these chaotic lives and him just having this mainly non-white group of people just being inherent thugs i'm like you're better than this i think you you could do more than this rather than the shorthand of them they're just thugs and they just do stuff and i get that it's and you are right it is it is shown for his protagonist's view and he is blinded and deafened apparently by his <laughs> lust for revenge but that's such an uninteresting narrative to me as a viewer that's seen it time before that doesn't make up for the you could mm. you see so many films about gangbangers in which they're right. not given humanity and I felt that John Woo could do that and it annoys me that he didn't and I, uh, yeah I mean you're absolutely right like I do see more there and I do see that I think it is mostly the protagonist who views them as kind of these husks mm. but I also you're right because John Woo could do better, and there's no reason that he uh, could not. But again, it's just uh, I'm such a huge fan of John Woo that I think I've I found something that apparently nobody else has. But yeah. I'm fine with that. I, 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 I enjoy I like it a lot. You talk about it. I like the way you write about it. I, the, the the movie you describe is really interesting, <laughs> and, I, and I do think it's it, it's a it's a grounded read. Like I understand where you're coming from. Mm. It's one of those cases of being like. I wish I got that out of it when I watched it. Maybe if I'd read what you wrote before and watched it, I'd have got that out of it a bit more. But going to it fresh eyes, I was just like, nah, it's enough for me. And I think the action's kind of boring, um, which is a shame. Which is fair. And that's all we can do about Silent Night. Because it's time to move on. Because time is passing. Because time is passing. So you brought this one to me. Um, I don't think I ever would have watched this on my own. But Passing Time, <laughs> directed by Terrence Davies yeah Terrence Davis's Passing Time is the shortest film on this list um, I'm going to say good I'm going to agree good very good um, four minutes long yeah Single is this the first Terrence Davis thing that you've seen it is yeah so probably Terrence a Davis weird one to start year. with he um, did he did and this is the last thing that he made and it's this four minute short film which is just a static shot of British countryside you can see a church it's kind of like framed by a, a tree and he reads a beautiful poem in his beautiful voice that he wrote himself and I just I just it it I watched it watched it again made me cry I can't I don't know if I can watch it again because it made me cry again um, I just think it's so beautiful it's testament to the words themselves are beautiful and wonderful the reading of the words is beautiful and wonderful it's such a simplistic use of cinema but it's such a perfect use of cinema like the right shot the right words imagery as an image imagery through words i think terence davis is, is such a unique special brilliant filmmaker um 
I don't adore all of his films I've seen. Some I think are, mm. are merely okay, but there's some I think are utterly, utterly, utterly outstanding. And this is one of those for me. I think it's really special. And I think I would have gotten a lot more out of this, certainly, if I was more familiar with uh, mm. Terrence Davies. Yeah, I haven't seen any of his other work, but still, yeah, really effective and beautiful. The poem is just absolutely beautiful. It's, yes. It's just, yeah, it's really easy four minutes to watch, and just, like, I can totally see coming back to this when I'm more familiar with Terrence Davies and I think getting even more out of it, but it is a special little four minutes. I think why the poem is so good is you hear it and you presume it's like a, a poem you've heard before. You're like, this must be one of those famous poems from, yeah. from history that he's reciting. And that that's how well written it is. It has that feel of like known like war poetry. It yeah, feels like something you've heard before. It resonates in your mind as like something you're already familiar with. And I think that's such a clever thing to do. It's so good. And I think it's, it's made the poem itself, which obviously wasn't written he didn't write it with his own passing in mind, but um, yeah, no, I forget who who it is, but it is about the passing of someone. I, I think it's his sister. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just uh, really beautiful and powerful poem, um, and that's all we've got for passing time. Our discussion was half as long as the, the thing itself. <laughs> um, so then, Stephen, this is going to be a very short discussion on a movie we could talk so much more about, but Killers mm. of the Flower Moon is very good i'm gonna say bad no you're not all right i've got five minutes oh, so you just want to talk about it more no i'm limiting you to <laughs> no, two minutes because i know you think no, it's good <laughs> i watched this film again the other day um, oh really i hadn't seen it um this is for me not only the best one of the year but one of the best films of the last few years mm. i think it's utterly outstanding it is Martin Scorsese's um, Scorsese, sorry, as Thelma Schoonmaker says, um, and she would know. Um, she's also the editor of this film. Mm. Uh, it's, it's his best film for me, and it's his best film because of how late it is in his career, and it uses his previous films yeah. as like, reference points. It's a masterclass in perspective. It's a masterclass in narrative pacing, in performance, in cinematography, in music. It really Everything is. about it is utterly masterful. I I have no, I have no qualms this film at all. I think it's 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 pretty cinematically perfect. It's such a stunning film, and I think what makes it so much more impressive and singular is just like it could only, I think, come from Scorsese, and it could only come from Scorsese at this point in his career. Mm. And there's just not many things I think that you can say that same thing about. And it's just like the whole yeah. time watching it, it's just like. And it doesn't feel at all like it's three and a half hours long. And it's just like, you just are just living in this world. And it's just, it's always just such a treat to live in a Scorsese film for a while. And man, yeah, it's just, there, there really is nothing to complain about. Generally, and it reminds me of why I hate Wolf of Wall Street. I feel more vindicated than hating that movie after this, generally. <laughs> because it's just like, oh, because sometimes I think maybe maybe I did misread that movie maybe I'm wrong about it because mm. you know maybe I got up in arms when it was being critical and I'm like no this one is so clearly being critical and so not endorsing it's it's because it right. doesn't find its characters interesting and fascinating in the way I think his lesser films do and it seems so purposeful that the Raging Bull and the Wolf of Wall Street are cast in this mm. and those are two films that are being critiqued for positioning of negative people and I think Raging Bull works I think Wolf doesn't work but I get the critique of both and yeah. this is such a clear example of the film is aesthetic aligned the right. rhythm of it the pace of it with Lily Gladstone's character even yeah, if the other characters are in it more and I feel that's that is something you can do because inclusion is just including something doesn't mean that you're saying you are giving it permission that you are endorse, endorsing is what we're looking for um, 
this is just uh, it's just utterly outstanding and your two minutes are up unfortunately i'm not going to give you yeah. five um even though you no. tried to disagree with me <laughs> um, it's so good so good this is going to be an interesting one uh the creator is up next steven i'm gonna say bad i'm gonna say bad as well okay interesting i am i think especially the more removed i am from it the less i like it i would say when i first saw it i was in the middle trending towards positive ish um i don't think it's it's bad bad um but it's certainly not you know great in any sense it's pretty narratively disastrous yeah. <laughs> um but yeah. i think it, I, I like the visuals a lot i think it's uh, i think it looks great um and I, I think, think the, the one visual thing i say about it is i love that the most interesting design in it is the super weapon i think there's an interesting point there about the way that we aestheticize weapons and i think that is a, a, mm. the most interesting point it has to make about how design of death is the thing because we the aestheticization of killing is is a thing yeah and i feel the film comments well on that by having that as the most striking design in the film and that's the only good thing it does the only good thing it does that's a yes harsh harsh take from steven is that all you is that all you've got for the creator i i I just think it's crap it's Mm. like it's easy to say like it's generic because it is yeah it's whatever i i don't think it's actively intentionally racist but i think it's so poorly thought out that it becomes quite racist for me in terms Mm. of its really haphazard vietnam allegory the way it presents vague assimilated asia as just like this place and this other place the way it kind of like primitivizes those people and then linking it to ai all of that stuff you think about it for a bit and it becomes deeply uncomfortable and it's just so othering and bland and gross and it's it's all of these vietnam allegories are all about still othering as victims still from the american perspective even when they're metaphorical and it's still about how the oppressor has to learn and become the hero it's not about the oppressed overthrowing it's about how this one one guy from the imperialist force realizes the imperialists are bad and therefore it's still the rambo thing if they get to win this time i mean yeah you're right i I hate that well i would comment more but i'm not allowed to um so let's move on to another another career and ender cap 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 to a career uh, but the cane mutiny court martial directed by william friedkin one of the greatest to ever do it steven this movie mm. is good it's really good not that i can say that it's good um it's so I think good we should watch this film it, i absolutely it, it makes me so sad that this movie was released the same weekend as the new Exorcist sequel, and it was just <laughs> shoved onto that, some like that's a hate crime. It's shoved onto some tertiary Showtime subscription streaming service that nobody's yeah. heard of with no marketing, and it's like this is the final film from one of the greatest American directors, and nobody's watching it because nobody's heard of it. And especially next to the goddamn Exorcist, <laughs> right? Like it just feels like such an insult. <laughs> Totally. It, it, it's so good. And I, I went down a Stephen Rabbit hole of I, I watched, I didn't read the book because, come on, but <laughs> I watched the original film, um, so The Cane Mutiny, and then I watched the. Is it Bogdanovich or Altman? I forget which one. Um, Ooh, I can't I, remember either. I think it's, I think it's Altman. Um, I think you're right. The TV 
the TV version, which is interesting, and then I watched this one, which is the best version um, for me, definitely. And it because how it changes stuff, I think it has such an interesting ending. It's such, such a, a great clever ending. Clever use oh. of music. Yeah, it's man, it's so good. I, I mean, and the cast is just outstanding. Um, you also get um, a final performance from Lance Reddick, who is mm. phenomenal in it. Um, Kiefer Sutherland is just man. Mm outstanding um but yeah it's, i love the way it's, the camera orbits around the place it, yeah. it's very much like judgment of nuremberg that which is one of the great oh i think judgment of nuremberg is an inherently flawed movie for reasons i won't get into because we have time um but it's one of the great courtroom films and this closely is inspired by the way the camera seems like it has this complete 360 view of the courthouse that really you totally feel the geography of this film, which is so important. The courtroom has this presence, and you know the boundaries of it as you're stuck in there with these people. It's pre- it's just impressive for a director who is just a known madman to put out this mm. movie that is so like restrained and simple, mm. but he gets so much out of every inch of it, and it's just fantastic. I went over time because I love Friedkin, but uh, the that's the Kane Mutiny Court Martial. So, yeah. Strange Way of Life, Almodovar. What do you think, Steven? I'm going to say good. I'm going to say good as well. I like this. It's a fun little short. I would like to see the rest of the film that it belongs in. I, me too. I definitely wish this was a feature film. It, I never got time to write this because life went crazy for a bit. Mm. And I was put on the back burner and never got around to it. But I think my, my real thoughts are it's a bunch of like gestured impressionistic nods towards the Western. Um, yeah that doesn't really work because it doesn't do anything with it and in the end it feels like a really impactful sequence from a film that you've never seen and needs yeah. the rest of the film to make it work but I still think it's a really cool sequence within that with committed performances amazing production design of course. and with an interesting atmosphere I'd like to see him work in this space on a larger campus yeah he's such a good filmmaker and he gets mm. a lot out of what's there it's just unfortunate that yeah. there's not more there because there should be and there could be like it really yes. is the the story that's packed into like about 30 minutes or so is yeah absolutely could be you know a, or even should be like a two-hour film but if it's, it, i think that's the issue for me is yeah. it should be yeah of there's so much quite work at this length you can tell all the characters have like this rich history and you know all this and he does a great job of like imbuing the characters with that in a short time period but really you do are just like i wish i could live in this world more because it is clearly very interesting and he's such a good filmmaker and i really don't know why there's no reason that he can't just make a feature film out of it but i also get if you just want to make a short you can make a short you know yeah, but it's it's also oh, I forget what is it Yves Saint Laurent that it's or is it something I think like so. that? Yeah, it's that right. a production vibe, so it's probably some stipulation of that. That's how the money works yeah. that way. So you know, yeah, yeah. I, even even for Almodovar, I'm sure financing is hard. Yeah, if you got to get something made, then take what you can get. I'm sure. So yeah, it's good. Great performances, cool thing. Well, now it's your time to killer buster me. <laughs> David Fincher's <laughs> The Killer, Stephen. I think this movie Bad. is good. This movie's bad. But it almost was good. I really Almost? Like okay. The, this film, the short film that is the first 20 minutes of this film, I think is absolutely great. Um, and if, Okay, first of all, the first paragraph of my review, I talk about Michael Fassbender. I will point you towards there, because I don't want to use up the conversation here. He's a terrible human being, um, mm-hmm, and he enough. should not have been cast in this film. But read about that there. 
Um, apologies. Um, but the first 20 minutes of this is this really cool, self-aware, smart, slick deconstruction of Jean-Pierre Melville's Le Samurai, of, of, of that kind of film. Right. Of these fascinating insular men who are defined by being, and drive to an extent, of, oh, they say nothing and they're so interesting. And this film puts you in their head and you go, these people are insufferable. <laughs> and I think Certainly. that... that first scene is so cool because what he's saying compared to what he's doing there is this like clever disjunct especially towards the end of it and the way that it bungles it at the end is is so cool and then the rest of the film is to me well well shot whatever well well produced but is is so conventional and so exactly one of those when it was only interesting to me when Mm. it was flipping one of those and maybe i'm being too dismissive of it but i was so disappointed I kind of think you are because I think the whole thing is is very self-aware and knowing that it is I mean it is Fincher making this kind of schlocky hitman b-movie kind of thing but it's yeah. with Fincher's aesthetics and still Fincher's precision and I think it's like this perfect kind of combination of you've got Fincher kind of emulating this character who is obsessed with that same kind of precision. And yeah. I know there's a lot of people reading it as like this kind of oh, yeah. history oh, of Fincher's career, of which is stupid. Argument, but, um, which is just I, like it's not that. It's, like... Right. It's just like Fincher wanted to make this kind of goofy, like hitman movie where he's, you know, traveling around the world and he's just yeah. doing what he's Fincher good has at. Netflix and, money and is having fun. Right. Like, and the character is just, I think, very knowingly goofy and he gets a lot of humor out of it and i think it is a lot of fun and i think it's fantastic and it, it's a bummer it that just, i i don't know i it just so lost me i just it reminded me of i don't like these films that much mm. and then i think for 20 minutes commenting on it whilst doing it worked really well for me and then shy of two hours of commenting on it and doing it gets wearing to me because i'm like this is just that though isn't it of like yeah he's he's listening to the band that will not be maimed because of (laughs) that singer i mean yeah um i don't and i guess that's that's true if you are not you know generally a fan of that kind of genre film then there's a limit to how much you can get out of this kind of sort of send-up of it but i do like that particular genre so i think this worked you know that much more for me um, oh I man, could I just be else, watching but... Ghost Dog Way of the Samurai. Um, I mean, you could. I, I did watch. I think they're quite I, different. I did but... watch Ghost Dog <laughs> soon, soon after it. Ghost Dog is so good and like Ghost does Dog's everything great. this movie wants to do so much better. So I don't know. I think it. I, watch Ghost Dog. I also like how much fun it has with the kind of disposable gig economy stuff. I think is great. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, it's very pointed in the way that it's using you know that he's using this abandoned we work office and uh the way he kind of gets gets so much out of this stuff that you know we these conveniences that can kind of be leveraged into violence uh is very interesting to me no we're not even at yeah. five. i thought we were way over five minutes but i guess not no that's fine i think for me it's that weird opposite of i <clears throat> wanted strange way of life to be a feature and i wanted this to be a short film okay oh that's fair enough i just i I don't know fincher is always so great to me um and this was no exception um yeah that the mag i would agree with that so 
Divinity. <laughs> Divinity. I think this movie is really bad. I'm gonna. I'm on. I'm on the cusp because I like that it. The ending is a serious wrath, and anytime I can mention a serious wrath, makes me a, a happy, happy boy. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna say it's bad. It's just so stupid. I just. It's like. It's the kind of. It's going for something, right? Like it's so dedicated mm-hmm. to this very specific aesthetic. And it's trying to kind of, I don't know if it's necessarily a call back, but it's doing this, you know, kind of grungy, synthy, horror-ish kind of thing. But I just, I don't know. I think it's, I think the aesthetic it chooses is really ugly, to be honest. I just, I think the narrative is so stupid. It is, yeah, it, it is. I, I really like the last 15 minutes. It's The, the last 15 minutes, minutes also, are very cool. Also, arguably a bit... Um, orientalist well end, so i mean i think the it, whole thing is I'm still has a lot of that but yeah yeah I, but i think it really comes to 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 a four um, at, at the end it's yeah it's it, it's just vapid and it's not that interestingly vapid no and i don't think the surface is because it just wallows in bloviating for so long of i just i wish it was as gonzo out there weird as it is not a few minutes for the whole film but this is at least interest an interesting failure but it's kind yeah. of dull for, for most of it right it's just so weirdly self-serious about stuff that's either been done before or is woefully uninteresting or is vaguely misogynistic i think um, i think that's the thing is it's like you it's in terms of being kind of calling back to this sort of like sleazy 80s kind of yeah cheesy b-movie kind of thing it's like that stuff was doing it earnestly and it wasn't designing it specifically to be that and so when you have something like this that it's like okay now we're going to design a movie around that and then you're trying to do all that stuff it's like then you lose the earnest part of it and then it's just not fun it's just all the the shitty stuff that comes along with it and i'm like i don't want to be watching this and also this high contrast black and white filter on everything does not look good and i don't like looking at it so (laughs) you know you can throw out all the all the kind of like sci-fi techno babble you want but it's just not good boom moving on moving on to palm door winning anatomy of a fall well it's not up for any oscars so can't be that good it's actually up for lots of oscars but it's not yeah it's like what um, best international feature so (laughs) it's true can it be (laughs) it can be could be best picture good is what it could be apparently it can be best picture but it's not the best international picture it makes total sense the the academy always makes perfect sense that's not the Academy's fault. That is France's fault. Do you know why it's not up? Well, yeah, because France didn't submit it. They submitted Taste of Things, But do you know why right? they didn't? Well, it was just you know uh, political comments from Justine Triet, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Justine Triet spoke out like, about the government. So they were like, we won't, put your, we won't get a guaranteed Oscar then in your face. I'm like, you, you were going to... Yeah, spiting themselves for, for no reason. I mean, that just continues yeah. to be the, the dumbest rule that it's the government submitting whatever film it just makes no yeah, sense. But. Well, it's like they, they also didn't put forward Portrait Lady on Fire. Yeah, France is always bad at submitting. They submitted what? Like, Les one of the great cinematic yeah, right. it's just, just I guess it's they don't care, like, really, because they've got the Césars and they've got Cannes. So, like, it's true. I mean, there's no reason to care. They're, they're the ones giving out Palme d'Or, so... They, they they have two very prestigious awards already. Yeah. They don't need a third. Um, but how do you how do you feel about this one? I think it's good. I think it's good too. 
I would love to watch it again because I feel like I watched yeah, it in the much. in the midst of you know awards crunch and I didn't get as much out of it as I should have. I think. Um, yeah, I think I'd get more of below the surface. I think yeah. I engage with it primarily as a really interesting thriller with with, with clever plotting and good performances. Yeah, um, and I think there is a bit more going on um, beyond the quite overt things about fallibility and subjectivity. I think there's actually some really good character stuff going on that I didn't quite pick up on as much. But I think it's a really good exploring of human fallibility. Definitely. The want to know and the inherent issues within the justice system. And I think that every good court film, and I think Kane Mutiny is better, but every good court film should make you scared about the justice system. Yeah, um, 100%. this does that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's also just like, <laughs> that clearly the French court system is absolutely bonkers. Um, but it does it does get a lot out of how you can manipulate information and yeah. that the the facts are not what matters um, and it is how you can which anatomy of a murder is, is is the best film of that for me and that's why I love that film which and I should that watch thing of being like justice was probably done here but it's only because Jimmy Stewart is charismatic and should we be mm. okay with that right <laughs> and that's such an interesting point and to go back to to sneak in more Kane Mutiny talk of Kane Mutiny is so interesting because it says that justice might be done but why was justice done and what does it mean and what does that justice assert and what does it mean if justice is done for the wrong reasons by right. bad actors and can justice the system actually protect the system even when it's handing out the right verdict and it's just uh, all these questions are so interesting to me and i think it does a great job of like it is incredibly engrossing and interesting all the way through and then there are just yes. a, just a couple of turns in the very you know last minutes that like completely change the narrative on the entire thing but yeah. it also does it in a very intelligent way where it doesn't feel like great oh well what was the point of the rest of it you know it doesn't overturn um how interesting and engrossing the uh, the rest yeah. of the film is um, and yes snoop mvp it's great great to watch another cool film about a lady that, that murders someone and gets away with it <laughs> well we have no time to discuss uh, the details so time's up unfortunately yeah but yeah she, she totally did it and, uh, <laughs> we stand Stephen May December new Todd Haynes good. so good this is yeah I think it's like I was worried I was worried even though hmm. I do like Todd Haynes because it, the the premise when you read it out, you're like, oh, that sounds uncomfortable. And just the execution is so interesting. Fascinating. So interesting. And I knew I knew pretty much nothing going in. It was just like I had heard some buzz from earlier in the year. I got the uh, screener from Netflix, and I just one night I was like, I like Todd Haynes. Who doesn't <laughs> like, you know, Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman? I'll just watch this, check it out. And, and I we was, all love Charles Melton. I didn't even know he was in it because I didn't know anything about it. But yeah, he was, yeah. you know, the I, runaway I star. Riverdale fan, <laughs> Unfortunately, I have seen some of that show. But yeah, it's just absolutely phenomenal and absolutely not what I was expecting at all. But it no. was like it was a fascinating kind of turn on my expectations of like, I didn't know what to expect. And then I was like, oh, it's this. And then it gets progressively more interesting as it goes. As I was like, oh, it's mm. it's doing so much more with that premise than I could have even imagined. Yeah, what an arch, interesting, alienating, combative film that got watched by more people than it... It's the one time where Netflix worked. Of like, yeah. more people saw this film than really would do previously. And I, it's, I think... 
and I understand some of the, some of the concept criticism, but I think once you've watched the film, it, it falls apart. I, I agree, a yeah. line of critique. Because if you leave this film thinking it's exploitative the way that it seems, you were, what, you were looking the wrong way. You were I not looking at the screen yeah. when the images were happening. Um, and if you still misread it, it's like the media can't reach you at this point. Right. <laughs> I think. It's, like, it's just yeah. not going to work. Um, it's just such an intelligent critique of the true crime impulse. Definitely. Um, and the want to dramatise and to commodify tragedy and trauma and what that means and how crass that is. is and, and it needs to be slightly based on a real thing for that to work. I understand mm-hmm. the complaint. And I, I, I do get that the person this is pseudo-inspired by was upset about the film. But it's not but about them. Also, you know, it's not the same it's thing. Not about, it's, not, yeah. it's not about you. And, I, and I, if I was you, I would not be you. But if I was you, I would also be upset about it. But also, it's the, a new story is kind of owned by the world to an extent. Right. These are things that happened. And of course you can make a film about things that happened. Because yeah. they happened. And this has always been so, already been so tabloidified that the damage has been done by um, it being just raked over and this is an, an unraking and, and revealing and it's such a, it's such an intelligent film it's so good yeah it's just it's strange to me to say you know they did my story wrong when it is just it's specifically not that you know it's doing something different so it's like i yeah i don't think there's any reason yeah. to be up in arms about that um yeah no, totally. and, but if i was him i would say that because all oh, that sweet yeah, netflix money you know? <laughs> oh well this one is going to be less fun, Stephen. Godzilla minus one. <laughs> this is the, the last... So I, I... I... Bended my life a little bit to get away with going to the cinema to go see this. Um, so, you know, I had not been away from Young Child that, mm. that long. But I was like, you know what? For the new Godzilla, new Japanese Godzilla movie, I, I will do this. Um... And I have been accused of being biased against this film, which confuses me that, because I, I mean was that. So I, I agree, that makes no sense. <laughs> I was like, you do not know how invested I was in liking this film, right? I, 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 I went in being like, hell yes, let's do this. And yeah, I, I unfortunately think this film is bad. And I do think it's bad. And that's a shame. And I do think it is good, and I think it is very good. I've seen it twice now. I saw the initial release, and I have now also seen the minus color version which i think is excellent um and i think actually is better than the color version which is unusual because i've seen several of these um black and white Mm. conversions and typically i find that they don't do anything for me but i think it is i have the perfect i've never watched it i I saw black and chrome and i was just like this is cool but the colors are kind of one of the best bits it's exactly how and i saw i saw black and chrome on a huge screen which was very cool Mm, but i felt i felt the same way i was like this is just not what this movie is and parasite i also watched the black and white version of that and felt the same way where i was like this just this movie is a color movie that works much better in color and the black and white doesn't do anything for me i feel like godzilla maybe works because it's it's such a a hearkening back to Mm -hmm. that first film that to adopt the aesthetic of that first film um, because it is, is a period piece. Um, should I get my stuff out of the way and then you can... Go for it. Hit me with it. I I, I have moral issues with the film, but we'll get to that. But I also just think I just think it's not very good, genuinely. <laughs> That's my issue. Oh, I think, because there are some Godzilla films that I'm like, mm, some of this is a bit suspect, actually, but it's, 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 it's a bit of a banger. But I 
I think the character work is is bad. Um, the family setup thing is is ludicrous. The ending is ridiculous. The bit where a lady pushes a put in like Titanic style of there is room for two of you. Why did you push him there and and sacrifice yourself <laughs> only to turn up at the end in the most just like blatantly obvious stupid ending um do, actually do, I, i'll tell you how i wanted this one to end which okay. i thought would be really really interesting is because i i get reading it as not being this but you, you know how i read the film and i read the film yep. as being very much um a reasserting of japanese militarism and, and, and giving a victory to to ex-fascists even if it's not directly fascist in itself it, it reframes the narrative to give a, a, a moment of heroism um to, to give up and it's that Rambo thing of to get to win this time which I find distasteful and it does that via militarism there's this whole speech about the war and they talk about one of the, how the, the bad thing of the war was like not having good enough tanks I'm like what to kill more people in your fascist army interesting um, that stuff is so poorly handled for me and I, I, I found it deeply distasteful but I thought it'd be really interesting if you know they have that plan to kill Godzilla I really like that plan I think that plan's That's really such a interesting cool I love that scene and I wish it, because it looks like it almost worked, and I thought what would have been really cool is if it had worked, and they didn't think it had worked, and he'd have done that thing and done it for no reason. And I thought that would have been such a fascinating choice mm. to make him do his final flight. And that would have been the critique for me of, you thought this was the thing to do, but it was meaningless because it was always meaningless. But to have it at least kind of like, oh, and it turns out there's a way to evacuate, blah, blah, blah. It's just another way of giving that heroism moment and it pissed me off the whole time through the film where that logic around the oh I'm bad and it was just like can we talk about how maybe you're good for not doing this about how that's part of the war machine and I love that the film opens up with Godzilla killing some goddamn fascists and I'm like hell yes and then he's the bad guy yeah but I think that what you're saying is how it's framed through the character perspective and the cultural perspective I don't think that it is the perspective of the film as a whole I think that I don't know if I care though. I'm like, I feel like like that's which I mean I can understand, but but I do think that it is. I do think that it views those things as bad, and I think that to me, I found it very clear that when he was being criticized for that stuff, that mm. it's not necessarily that the film agrees. It's that it is a harmful cultural thing that has perpetuated that there is this kind of bound duty um, to this militaristic stuff and this honor thing that is senseless because it has accomplished nothing and is mostly um, sort of... But it's not bad because of those vague things, is my problem. And the film plays in that space. It's bad because of literal fascism and literal imperialism and because it never deals with the specificity of that. It, It... it removes it to these vague precepts of of honor and of wrongdoing, and I I do find that to be a problem because I generally feel that if you had a similar film about set because this is like um, Rossellini's Germany Year Zero, and I think it's actually quite inspired by it, and the title seems quite similar. Of if you had a similar film about a bunch of ex-Nazis coming together to defeat a monster, people would be mad about it. People would be really really mad about it. Yeah, because, but that's just a hypothetical that, that doesn't exist and couldn't exist. Because it it's not be. the same thing. But it would be a different film. It wouldn't be doing the same thing and it wouldn't be talking about the same thing. I think those are... I mean, I understand what you're saying, but I I don't think I agree with it as a... I, I, I don't expect you to agree. I don't expect you to agree because I, I 
I, I get why people like this one so much. It's just because it, it keeps it so general, it, it, it gets to hide behind some things. And then I think it cuts more for me because I don't find it particularly that interesting a film. I don't think the things that it's doing uh, are that good. I think the character's not very good. I think the writing is not very good. And the music is great because it's the music from the first one. I can't say anything else. We've gone way over time already. And I have, would have much more to say, but, but I can't. <laughs> so to move on, <laughs> let's both shit all over something and talk about Saltburn. So Which, I'm going to say it's bad. If, I mean, if anyone at this point, any listener who knows me knows that I despise this film. So yes, it is very bad. I can't stand Saltburn. I kind of don't want to talk about it because it's just, I'm so I, fed up of, of thinking about Saltburn. and just Yeah, me too. And I... There was especially a period right after it came out where I, I was just tired of it. And it's it's not necessarily even a film that I wanted to, like, crusade against. I just watched it and thought it was terrible and still think it is terrible. Yeah. But it became the... I think the problem was you watched it slightly before. I did, It yeah. got released to everybody. I did have a screener and, therefore, and watched it early. But if you'd have watched it in the cinema and hated it, when loads of people did... It's true. It would be different. But it's because you watched it just before everyone in the world started watching it. You were so close to it. Because it, this film's become massive. It has. And I don't... Uh, just because pe- people watch some more weird stuff. Because this film is not oh, weird. It's, it's not weird. Extreme. It's just dumb. Just, it's, it's just uh, It's just terrible. I wrote so many words. I feel like I exercised myself. All of my thoughts are on letterbox.com. Go there. I'm not reiterating it. It sucks. Which is almost another reason why it's funny is I did not write that many words. I read a very, very short review just saying that this sucks <laughs> and it was it became this whole thing. But anyway, it's just, it, it, yeah, it is funny how that works that, you know, seeing something just slightly early, it's, you, you and you're the one that always shows up there when everyone else goes to log mm-hmm. it is, oh, this thinks this is terrible, but I do think it's terrible. It's, it's trying to do so many things and accomplishes absolutely none of them. Um, and I think... What it tries to do ultimately is just it does the exact opposite, um, and so I I could probably say a lot about it, but I don't. I really I, don't I could, but I don't, want to. I, don't, yeah. I, I, I don't want to get pulled into the trap of talking about it. It's just not. It's just bad. It's just bad. Yeah. Stephen, if there's one thing that the world needs more of right now, <laughs> it's people talking about Taylor Swift. Yeah. So you you watched uh, the Eras tour. You watched it at home. You rented it for nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, I, I spent nineteen eighty. I didn't even spend that because it was conversion. So oh. it's, not night, it's not even that. Well, so it's not very not very considerate to her UK um, fans. Yeah, when, when the movie came out, my wife really wants to go. So my wife likes Taylor Swift a lot. Um, not like in a Swifty mad way, but she just mm. likes listening to Taylor yeah. Swift music. Um, your wife is the same, I believe. Yeah. Um, and. She would want to see it, but she was really, really unwell um, when it when it came right. out for reasons I'm not getting to, which meant that she couldn't go and see it. So for Christmas, I surprised her by spending an extortionate price to <laughs> to get a copy that we could watch at home. Um, it's a shame I could just buy it, but no, you have to just rent it. So it's a rental copy, and we watched it on Christmas Eve because we had family arriving on Christmas Day mm. that was going to not have time. And I thought it was going to be a thing, because it's a really nice thing sometimes is to get somebody for something 
that you're not interested in at all, yeah. but you know that they're going to like a lot. Absolutely. There's something really, ni- really nice about that. And I was like, you know, I'll sit and watch with you. I'll probably just end up on my phone and whatever. Right. Um, I just don't think this is for me, and that's absolutely fine. Like, that's my opinion, but I don't have really any Taylor Swift opinions before this point. My feeling yeah. is just like, it's cool, a lot of people like her. It's not music I'd ever really listen to or seek out, whatever, cool. And there's an innocuousness to her that I can't get that mad. Um, right. Maybe there's a nothing presence, and that's maybe a problem, but there's not an overtly negative presence. Yeah, so for whatever. Sure. If that's going to be the biggest thing in the world, then, then being then cool, better that than generally harmful things. Right. You know, it's it's absolutely and goofy. I think I'm pretty much on exactly yeah. the same page as you. Yeah. And then sat down and watched it, and I thought it was absolutely terrific. Um, it's one of the best things I've watched all year. I have it just a notch above Barbie on my list. I think I was so impressed by. I think as a con. The only weak thing of it is I think the filmmaking to make it a concert film isn't as good as the production of the show itself. Mm. I would like to see shots of musicians making music um, throughout it, and it's a shame you don't get that. And I feel the expressivity of the camera work. I'd I'd watched Stop Making Sense two days before, so that didn't really help. But it's not bringing the show through filmmaking. But it's bringing the show because the show's damn impressive. And the songs... I don't know if I'd choose... I've listened to a new album a few times, I quite like it. I wouldn't really listen to her music that much outside of this, but presented in that way, I thought it was a hell of a performance, really impressive, really engaging. I was pretty glued to it the whole time. I'm really creative, really interesting, and I was expecting to think it was very okay. I actually thought it was brilliant, and I was very, very, very surprised. And I do think that it's kind of just okay. I... I was kind of not not like disappointed because I don't think there was much to disappoint me. It's not like there was any anticipation that I had because, like you, I just kind of am mostly yeah, ambivalent. Um, but I just I don't know. I mean, we saw it in the theater, and I just I really did. I found it way too long, and I was not. I just wasn't particularly captured by any of it, and I thought the I thought the construction um, just didn't do anything for me. I. I felt like the kind of just no particular i mean not that it was not that it's like randomly put together because i know that it's very specifically put together but the construction of how the eras are placed just didn't do anything for me and i I found it kind of frustrating i know you ended up getting into it but because i was like you because i was just like what i was like surely the sensible thing is to go through the years of her life yeah in, in, in order that makes sense but then i realized that that's not the fun of the show the fun of the show is is anticipation and and i feel she so understands her and she is clearly a very very gifted performer right. and artist and she so understands the input of the audience of they are so excited for it and she needs to tease them in that way of they need to not know what era is coming up next Right. Then the moment a thing appears and they're like, oh my god, it's that, gives a cool moment every time. And it needs to be a slightly off kilter order for that to work. And I think it's worth it for those moments you've been like, oh. Definitely. Is that? Oh, it's that. It's cool every time. It was funny when An Era was one song. That was funny. That is funny. Um, Which, I mean, to me, I totally get it. Because as a fan, that makes sense. And as a person at a live show, absolutely makes sense. Mm. But as not a fan, not at a live show. It just didn't didn't work for me I at all. I think it's a better thing to watch at home when I was like sat there with like a nice And that drink, might be true, yeah. Um, and like had just eaten a lot of food and it was like nice, house nice and warm, family just gone home, evening, side and be like, and you could just like 
talk and be like, this is really good, isn't it? And Emma's like, are you enjoying this? I'm like, yeah, actually, I really am enjoying this. And I'm asking her questions. I'm messaging you and Mole to ask about Taylor Swift trivia. And I think that that was weirdly the best way to watch it was just, yeah, like, this and, is on and this is cool. Yeah, that might be, you know, just a more enjoyable experience. Um, but yeah, I just found it kind of overly, and it's, I really, I have, I do not dislike Taylor Swift in any way. I like a fair amount of her music. I love honestly, that you legally have to say that because, because I just that, <laughs> because it, it's the same thing where it's just like it became this thing where everyone sees me with the lowest score on this movie, and I'm like, I don't hate. I have nothing against you hate her. It when a woman wins. I just you did just not. Hate it. You, you hate I just to see a woman win. did not care for that specific experience and that specific thing, um, which is you're is more about how I feel, gatekeep than you are about girl boss. <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly how I would describe it. <laughs> um, alright well that's all I have to, to say about that unless you've got anything to add in our, our final few no, seconds I, I think it's really great I was so surprised okay well Maestro <laughs> I would I'm think gonna, this go? Will... go ahead okay bad obviously yeah it's bad um, to, to go back to my haunting in Venice point this is the best movie that Bradley Cooper has made and it's still bad wow I don't I mean, I, I saw A Star is Born when it came out, and I don't have a Same. great memory of it. I did not hate it, Atrocious. but I didn't think Atrocious. it was amazing either. This I movie is, is definitively Atrocious. bad. Um, I, I randomly, I don't even know what really, I think it was just Netflix you offered. I'm quite excited for this film. I wouldn't say I was excited. Did I seem okay, excited? I, mean, I don't think I, <laughs> I, I definitely don't think I was. It was just like Netflix offered a screening, and I was like, yeah. It seems worth taking when they offer it because they also have no obligations for reviews. So I'm like, I could just go and watch it in a theater, yeah. and that'll be an it. actual reason to watch this thing. That is, you want to know who left Snoopy in the vestibule? <laughs> that is uh, going to become like an awards movie, and I was like, wow, this is just so terrible. And you learn nothing about the character that it is about, the person that it is about. And I was just, I came out of it, and I was it's... like, this did, this accomplished. <sighs> absolutely nothing have you seen opening night and have you seen all that jazz i've seen all that jazz i've not seen opening night this this film thinks that it's both those films and it's just like such a, such a reminder of how good those films uh, are it is now. like a hundredth of the energy of all that jazz it is just i, I know but it's but it so wants to be that and it oh, so definitely. wants to be opening night as well um, i think it deserves both its oscar nominations i mean not okay. the fact it's got more than two so okay. i think I generally think the cinematography is very, very good. I really do. I think it is hmm. a a really interesting, creative, wonderful-looking film. I just it's supporting nothing, and it's just a sizzle reel. And I think it deserves a nomination for Best National Screenplay, because the Snoopy in the Vestibule line is so funny. <laughs> for that one line. Um, that one moment is generally very, very good. And it's so interesting um, from- that that you say that you like the cinematography because I, I think it's, I think it looks I quite really didn't especially the black and white stuff I just thought it just I, I don't know something it's about so it just awesome seems ugh, I did not like it and I don't know why exactly I didn't like it but just it felt so bland and washed out to me and I didn't think that the switching to black and white like having this kind of alternating oh, no, I, timeline I thing it's just terrible. like ugh, it's just I, I, I agree with you but I love the color grading of, mm. of the, of just it looks so nice. The colors are so interesting, and I, I think the contrast of black and white is lovely. There are some shots which are 
annoying to me because I'm like, okay, well, that was CG. If it was like the, the opening shot has this ca- this fake camera swoop all the way into this auditorium and out, I'm like, okay, if a real camera did that, that'd be cool, but it wasn't, so right. I don't really care. Um, so there's a bit too much of that sometimes. But then later, it uses practical lighting really interestingly as, as, mm. as light sources, and I think there's some really stunning compositions in it. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna enter the discourse. You're in the discourse. I'm yeah, here. It's I'm the discourse. Ready. Hi, hi, hi. Um, I think this and Golda having um, nominations for makeup is astonishing to me that the Oscars would 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 make that decision. And if it wasn't for the people being so Barbie pilled, people would be more up in arms about about what that means, oh, hmm. about what unites those two films. And I will quote someone else. I can't remember who said it. If Bradley Cooper can play the Elephant Man on stage with no makeup, he should not need. Apathetic knows to play Leonard Bernstein. Fair enough. Movie's bad. We went way over time on that, that one, but it deserves to be bad. Yeah, it's just it's so bad. Stephen, how to have sex? Good. It's very good. I really liked it. Um, mm. And go ahead. I. It's annoying because I feel like the title is a good title for the movie. And yeah. I feel it, 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 it resonates through. But I also wish for accessibility, excuse the wrong word, um, for it, getting a wide audience and for conversations. I wish it was called like, something yeah, else. Like marketing, yeah. It just doesn't really sell the movie well at all. It's like it because it makes sense after you have seen the whole movie, but it doesn't make sense going into it. And I think it is maybe feels like it's selling a different movie. Totally. Um, and I want to recommend it to people, but every time you mention the title of the movie, and, right. um, it's because <laughs> it's sense. like, yeah. Yeah. and when you see someone being like, they like it, didn't like it, I'm like, well, I guess they didn't need the advice, they did, way! And it's like, you know, it's... And yeah, it's, it's way too, it's, it's a shame too it's easy that. for, like, these lowbrow jokes that it's not, yeah. it's not in conversation with that at all, because it's doing the exact opposite of that. But it's really good at doing what it's doing. It it's it's so great i i do understand what you said when we spoke about it that at the beginning you're just like uh, mm-hmm. don't really want to spend time with people um or more in this setting because the setting's so obnoxious um for me that works because this is such oh, a sure, yeah. horrible british ritual i'm like uh it, it's there's that one scene in after sun which this is the movie expanded off that which is when they're sat watching that karaoke thing at that resort and i'm like oh this is the most like brits abroad perfectly right observe thing and this is just that in a different way but for a longer movie and it's just it's just so like ah that's this and it being from a female perspective it's slowly revealing itself to be about something really really horrible and important and it doing it so subtly in terms of not being exploitative is so intelligent yeah yeah it is it is it is ultimately a film about rape culture um but the way it becomes about that and the complicity in that and how everyone bar the victim are degrees of complicit yeah, for absolutely. different ways. And there's a moment at the end, and it is the ending that is really heartbreaking because of what yeah. it means in the dynamic going forward. And it's just so perfectly pitched, so well observed, so well acted, so well written. I think it's really, really brilliant. Yeah, I think there's so many moments like that in that last like 15 minutes where it really all comes together and you do realize that like degree of complicity for like every character and it's just like it really is it's heartbreaking to kind of find that at the end of this and then that's when it all like really comes together and then it's like oh yeah now i really understand the title and everything that it's going for and yeah it becomes that much easier to appreciate but yeah i yeah definitely it could use a a better title to sell the the movie that it is yeah 
Yeah, it's really good. Priscilla. I'm going to say, unfortunately, bad. I agree. I think it's bad. I really expected to avoid like this. I just don't think it's an interesting film for mm. Coppola to to make um, because I feel she is aesthetically disaligned um, from what the film is ultimately about. I think yeah. it starts really interestingly because it's very upfront about this grooming scenario. Definitely. And then it kind of goes nowhere. And I, I've been ruined by Spencer and by Jackie and they're so good at evoking the subjective reality of people of oppressed people yeah, yeah. of subjugated people and this is just felt very impassive and just without it's, direction yeah. and i can i can i liked it more writing about it because i thought i can academicize the things it's about what it's doing and i can find the good film here but i'm watching it eh. i i feel exactly the same because it is to me watching it it feels very just inert like there's just nothing it's not moving towards anything for me i think you kind of understand what it's getting at in that first like 30 minutes and then it's just a lot of the same thing over and over and i'm like yeah i understand what this is driving at and yeah when you're removed from it you can look at that stuff and say yeah this is actually doing a really good job at accomplishing what it wants to accomplish and it is a (laughs) an interesting like rejection of lerman's elvis and you know you can you can get to all these things but i'm like yeah watching it it is not that at all and i don't find it interesting and it's not i don't get anything out of actually watching it so yeah yeah it's just not this is really really good and it's another one where i I, like mr saltburn i i like mr saltburn in this because i think he's not very convincing as playing Elvis, but he's very convincing as playing the controlling partner at home, and yeah. I feel that really cements the fact that Elvis is a performance because you, you see the performance coming through hmm. at those points, and that's when I can academically say the fact that he feels unconvincing as Elvis is a good reminder of the viewer that Elvis, the persona, is a performance. I like that it sells that through that role. This is kind of an aside, but an interesting thing that came up for me recently is. So I watched this and I was like, I just am tired of hearing about Elvis. Um, and I was like, maybe I just don't want to see anything to do with Elvis and I just and don't care about Elvis. Elvis. And then I watched John Carpenter's Elvis and it's actually pretty good. And I think Kurt Russell is phenomenal. <laughs> um, and I was I was very surprised because it's a very long movie. And I was like, I just and don't think I'm going to get Las much Vegas out of this. And you're like, this, this Elvis guy is going places. <laughs> but but yeah, so my I, for no reason I'm recommending you John Carpenter's Elvis Um I will but watch it at some point in my life, I'm sure, because I will finish his movies in one day. So now I've just, yeah, I've got one Carpenter left. i got to watch Starman. Um, but anyway, back to new releases. Napoleon, Stephen. Napoleon. Good. It's good. I actually don't know if I knew how you felt about Napoleon, or maybe I did and I forgot, or I thought you didn't like it. But I mean, it's, 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 I don't think it's great. I think it's, like, it's, it's barely good. I think the, the battle scenes are really, really impressive. They're so great. And it's really impressive and it being this silly movie about oh, i love it oh, it's just like inferior ridiculous dude oh, who's constantly so just like emasculating himself um and it's showing him up as a joke and also i'm gonna say it um i'm never gonna say this the fact that there is a scene where the screenwriter clearly just snuck in a reference to one of my favorite viral videos of all time and that really Scott <laughs> has no idea that it's doing that very funny to me if you've not watched the um succulent chinese meal arrest viral video watch it and she sent me afterwards there is no way it's not a reference and i found an article people were like did they just reference this i'm sure i don't think 
I'm sure Ridley's got oh, no, no way. idea. <laughs> no way. Screenwriter was doing something there. Very good. Love that. Uh, and I know my obviously my my House of Gucci thoughts are known on this this show, mm. but um, I do generally at least am a big fan of of this late era Ridley Scott who just doesn't give a shit and is just making whatever he wants to make and yeah. this kind of bizarre satirization of napoleon as this just pathetic dude is just so fantastic and it works so well because you have ridley scott who does not care at all about making it in any way historically accurate and take issue with that to a point which is the only thing i take issue with is him blowing up the pyramids i think is hilarious and i think that's in keeping the film (laughs) right the thing i take issue is is when revisionism links in with negative tropes mm. and an important point of history the reason why him not having a child with josephine is is because she was older and that and that that became a thing in their relationship of she feared that her age was oh, the problem yeah, yeah. and that's that's actually key to that relationship and flipping that and making it another film about an older man and a younger woman absolutely sucks because you're just yeah. repeating not that that is inherently bad, but the fact it's sure. the kind of relationship we only ever see, and to turn it into that when it actually is not that right. is regressive. Because it does lose out that bit on sucks the rest of it. Whatever, I don't care. It loses out on an important dynamic that is what the film actually is doing. And when you are making a whole yeah. film that's emasculating Napoleon, it's important to have <laughs> the relationship part of it to be accurate. And I do think Vanessa Kirby yeah. is great, but that's She's totally great. totally a valid. Um, Thing to take against the film but i do i do think napoleon is fantastic i think it's good think fair it's enough good so moving on again oh i forgot we disagree very strongly on this one Stephen wonka i think is good Bad. i think it sucks <laughs> although I, I take solace in knowing that you are very alone on this <laughs> i am so alone and i was i was so excited to watch this movie really um, when it when it came available i was like emma we're watching Walker tonight. I've heard such good things about it because I, I expected it. Last last podcast, you could hear both of us being like, "This one movie looks bad." It's true. And I then, definitely thought it was going to be bad. Yeah, and then it came out, and everyone thought it was great. And I was like, "Oh, fantastic! I want it to be great. Love it. So excited." So I became convinced it's going to be great, and I was so glad to watch it. And then I watched it, and I, I I feel I genuinely feel like everyone is playing a joke on me, and that you are still part of this thing because you kind of watched the same movie <laughs> I watched because it absolutely sucks. I mean, it would be amazing if I was playing a joke on you, and that would be a phenomenal I effort love, I on love everyone's how part. You out of the bit. I really, I really, <laughs> but I genuinely, because I really did. I expected to come out the same. I expected it to be terrible, and for me to not like it at all. And I was just—I don't know. I was so charmed by it. I think it's really fun. I think it's fantastic. I really, I did not expect to like Timothy Chalamet as Wonka. And I oh, really he's did. so bad. And can't I can't believe he does that for the whole movie. And I feel bad for doubting Paul King. I like five minutes in, I'm like, is he gonna do this for the whole film? Because I can't. And this is definitely a me thing. But I just I just cannot stand what he is doing. The problem is he can't sing and he can't dance, and it's a musical. <laughs> Fair enough, I mean, I guess, yeah. But none of them can sing. And this is a problem with main modern musicals, is mm. this film has made the fun decision of casting and the, you would have picked up as much as I did this film was cast pretty much everybody that was interesting in the British comedy scene from the early 2000s certainly um, yeah it's 
all the old comedy stars from all the shows that I love growing up in this. Brilliant. I would do that too. They can't sing. No. It is a musical. They can't dance. It I is do. a musical. The songs aren't very good. And also, they're all very good, funny actors. And when you have them in it, and you put Tim Chalamet in the middle, and you've got all the best comic British stars of the last like 20 years, he stands out like even more of a sore thumb. Mm. You've got that whole Hugh Grant and Palumba bit that's just like, why is, why is he... Why is that even in the film? What is going on here? I don't know. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Um, but I do. I do. I get what you're saying because I think it's the same problem that I think um, animated films are having, where they just throw every popular celebrity into a movie mm-hmm. because they can attach a name to something. But just because you're a famous actor does not mean that you're a good voice actor, and you lose out on a lot. And it's like yeah, you've got a lot of cool actors in this, but you could also have just made a movie out of people who can really sing and dance and make a really, really cool musical out of it. But all the same, I really enjoyed Wonka. There are two good songs in it, and they're both from the old film. <laughs> well, we've gone over time, so there's no more complaining about Wonka for you. It sucks. It's just so annoying. <laughs> it's, it's this year's uh, Pinocchio. It is, well, it's better than Pinocchio. Oh, wow. That's uh, interesting. But no time for that, because it's time to move on to Ferrari, Stephen. Ferrari! 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 <laughs> I'm not doing an Italian accent. No, that's what that kid says. That kid, he goes, that's true, he does Ferrari. say that. <laughs> um, which reminds me of when I was out in the Pyrenees walking, and I was we went to this, this Cirque de Gavani, which is this wonderful walk in the Pyrenees. Like, really, it's some, some, some pretty hardcore hiking you get up there. It's, it's, it's some real good stuff. And we got to the end of it, and we didn't know the way back to the town of Gavani. And we found this, this this French family of the kid. And I used my French. My French used to be a lot better than it is. It's not that great now. And um, I asked them, you know, which, which way do we go to get to, to Gavani? And this kid just goes, Gavani? C'est là! And pointed in direction, his, and his parents just went, No, it's not that way! Why are you lying to them? <laughs> Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was oh, absolutely man. great. Ferrari. That's so good. It's good. I was not expecting... To, I was expecting to think the film was okay because mm. I was just... You know me. I'm a stealth car guy. But you are a stealth I was, car guy. I was just a bit like, I don't know if I want another just like bloviating biopic about some dude with a woman that props up his life who is more interesting than, than he is and... I just don't know if I'd care that much about Ferrari. But would Michael Mann would do not... that to you? No, he wouldn't, Stephen. He wouldn't do that to me. But at the beginning, I was like, oh, yeah, this 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 feels okay. Um, this is fine. And I was like, do these pieces really fit together? Mm. Maybe not. And then when the film makes it very clear that what it's about is yeah. some things can't fit together at yeah. the same time. And there is going to be literal fallout and destruction but it's about things that can't work right. and friction and jostling and the weird jostling structure like I never think Adam Driver is I don't think he's bad but I don't think he's especially good and the fake Italian accents are annoying everyone else is, is fine too good Plenty Cruz is not Italian but she's, she's very very good so good the back third of the film is genuinely brilliant it is and it's it's such a fascinating movie and i almost want to watch it for a third time i saw it at home and then i watched it in the theaters and now i want to watch it again Mm. um but it's just it's such a like sneaky movie in that it is this very 
not that it's generic, but it is very like kind of quiet yeah. almost in that it is this I thought I knew what it was. I was like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's gonna be this and, and he's you a get bit this mad and... this kind of quaint portrait of this this you know the Ferrari who just desperately wants to be a, a racer and to have this championship race team and it seems kind of simple but it's like deceptively simple because then you get that third act turn where things start to ramp up and then you get the moment which is this this is the spoiling podcast so you get the crash yeah. which is just like that's maybe the most standout moment of anything scene. all year is just like it yeah. just completely yeah, shocked me and shocked me again when I saw it for the second time because it is just such a shocking moment and it completely turns the entire film on its head. And it's, 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 it's yeah, it's, it's so interesting because the film we're about to talk about next is, is, is unfairly co- compared here, but this film does such a good job of presenting how things sometimes are just unfortunately bittersweet. Yeah. Other than that, I just just don't work out it's not even your fault but right. it's just, that's just how it goes it's very tainted because like is he the architect of his own destruction in ways yes but not of the specific thing that happens right and it wasn't his fault and yeah it's, it's, it's this it's... thing of uh, there's a great victory but it doesn't matter and you know it's never going to matter because it can't matter because this other thing happened and it's so good at presenting that and this really conflicting heartbreaking tragic end where there is a victory underneath it that in the end means absolutely nothing because it just can't it's true so let's compare it unfairly to the next film Stephen. um god the boys in the boat um i have so many gripes with this movie Uh, it's bad to be clear at the start yeah i'm gonna try to be more charitable to it i had a very long conversation with emma about this because emma Mm liked it more she agreed with all my points about it being a film but she thought i was being unfair to it and i and she was right and i was some of my issues with it she was like well think about what you're already saying but so i will somewhat take her view here and she is right that it is important that we do have some stories about working class achievement and it is nice that it that it, that it is ultimately a story about that um, and she, she she is right i mean yes um, uh, yeah. how it's presented in the film is is is, is not good right but the, the story itself is a very interesting story of these people who, who go from absolutely to, to a great victory the way the film executes it makes me not care about it and i think that's yes. my problem absolutely because i left it being like why should i care but i was like but you should care and i'm like oh and then i was like oh yeah no you're right i should care no <laughs> why don't i and it's 100 percent very good that's exactly what frustrates me so much about it as well is that especially as it is it's a seattle story and that's great i love seeing movies about seattle and washington and the pacific northwest um first of all i mean of course it happened that way but uh george clooney shot it nowhere locally um yeah he shot it more local to me (laughs) but it's just and it is this story that should be interesting and there's so much that could be explored but it seems like there's just no interest at any point in actually doing anything Mm -hmm. with with any of that you have this working class story but it's only kind of vaguely that and you kind of oh, yeah, it's, they, they it's, struggle then they get this job and they're fine so it's just right. like it's, it's not that's the whole thing is it's like there's there's conflict that is constantly immediately resolved to the point where none of it feels like it matters 
Yeah, and I was not surprised the film in which they only ever win boat races that they won a boat right. race at the end. I was like, all they've done is win for two hours. <laughs> and it's it gets to the point where some of it is just like, why did you even include this? There's this whole thing where they when they get to the Olympics and one of their teammates gets sick and it's like, oh there's man, what are they going to do about this? Their nothing. teammate is sick and then he's on the boat and they win the race and then the movie ends. And I'm like, yeah. like why even have that as a conflict <laughs> yeah, if no, it's exactly. going to affect nothing? It changed, like You could take that whole thing out and the movie wouldn't, wouldn't change. Yeah. And none of the characters are characters. They all just are there. Yeah. And it's bad. I could go on for a long time because it frustrates me. But that's all I've yeah. that's all I've got for Boys in the Boat, which yeah. I don't think is a movie so, that Ferrari. many people even saw or cared about. So it's not very good. Um, Ferrari wise, like I, for me, I think it's really interesting that this grand achievement happened and will forever be overshadowed by what that Olympics was. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting. I do think that's really interesting, and it's not their fault, and it's not on them. Right. And I wish the film engaged with that of you've achieved something and it would have mattered if it happened at any other Olympic Games, but it which, can't matter here. Which I think is, I'm laughing because I just think it's hilarious that the movie's answer to that is just like, there's Hitler. It's just like, the, <laughs> there's no like actual discussion about like what the the geopolitical climate or what the implications are of that. It's just like, there he is. Yeah. It's but, like, okay. But, much like Snoopy in the vestibule. Um, there's one moment that makes me almost forgive that. Even in the film, it's there was a headline where it's like George Clooney said how difficult it was casting Hitler. I'm like, my dude, don't cast Hitler in a film. Why yeah, would you, you cast Hitler? That guy should no be reason. definitely cancelled. Don't cast him in a film. <laughs> okay. Why are you letting Hitler act? <laughs> okay. <I> gotcha. <laughs> I find that headline so funny. <laughs> that is funny. Because <laughs> it's like, it was such a difficult decision. Casting Hitler, I'm like, it shouldn't have been. Right, it shouldn't I'd have been. I'd say, don't right. cast Hitler. I agree. Don't personally. cast Hitler. George Clooney, I like you. Maximilian the Pig, great. I like that you filmed it, Boys in the Boat, on the areas of the Thames where you used to live, which is near where I used to live. Like, I recognise places. Cool. Don't cast Hitler in your film. One, he's dead. Right. Two, he's Hitler. It's <laughs> two good points. We've spent way too much time on this movie. Um, this is a movie you watched yesterday? Yes. Fallen Leaves. This is our final movie. Yes, we've made it through all of it in fairly timely manner. Um, so fall and leave, Stephen. What do you think? This is one of my favorite films, favorite films of the year. Wow, um, I, I think it's really good as well. I think it's really outstanding, and I think I I, remember, I reckon if I watched it again, like my only like complaints of it is I think that maybe the narrative is a bit overdone at points in terms of incident. Hmm. there is a point where a person gets hit by a train I don't think we needed that <laughs> it's like a, I think that, that it, it's that things happen like that but it's the more I think about it the more I absolutely love what it's doing and I'm going to yeah. be really frustrating here okay. to most people so this film to me is the exact middle point between Wes Anderson and the dot ends of it has the okay. precise symmetricism of Wes Anderson production design, but here evoked through through realism. But it has that that really thing. It's got it's, it's Jim Jarmuschy in that way actually as well. But it has this kind of like affected, slightly uncanny sensibility in its dialogue. Mm-hmm. But then it has this hard pan miserableism and social realism of Ken Loach or the Dardenne brothers, um, and it, it manages to thread that line, which I think should be two polar opposites and does it so well of it's this wonderful cinematic love story that reminds me a bit of a film that i love me i know you liked as well ali and ava 
Um, mm, yeah, I really like that movie. Which is is a really a great romantic story about working class people. Yeah, um, that finds a romance. I love that it's in conversation with, with cinema. Um, it really have is. You it's seen such a great Umberto way. D. I have not. No, the Victoria's Secret film. Umberto D is an absolutely fantastic film, and it it very much alludes to it with the end with the dogs. And there are these wonderful film posters all the way through. Yeah, that all stuff so that I love. But the, the finished versions of them, you're like, what is that movie? And they have a kiss in front of the brief encounter post, and it's all, it's, it's, it's so in love with film, yeah. what film does. And it is one of those great romances that were only usually given to certain types of people. And it's that to sad working class people. Yeah. But then it also shows the the horrible things they have to get through and how it's 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 not their fault. Yeah, it doesn't it's it's funny it's like it's it's a romance but it's also not romanticizing anything because things are really terrible and it does show that Mm. there is genuine struggle and conflict for these people individually and that even though there is this this romance at the middle of it it's not like that you know that is necessarily going to right it's not that that's going to get them through anything but there is you know some some solace and comfort in that i think um, it is really wonderful. I do really love it. It has just one of my favorite little moments of the year, which I don't even remember exactly now because it's been a while, but I love that they go to the theater to see The Dead Don't Die, which is just yeah. a great... And I can't remember I can't remember what the guy says, but when they leave the theater, there's these two guys who walk out and they're comparing The Dead Don't Die to a couple other movies, and I found it so yeah. so hilarious, but I can't remember the two movies that they compared it's Band it to. It's Band, Band of Outsiders. Oh, yeah. Another Goddard film, I think. I didn't like that, but that's, the one, that's one of the two bits I didn't like in the film. Really? Because I was just like, I don't think that movie didn't work for me because, because having watched that film recently, that felt like such a joke for joke's sake of like, no one would actually say that. No one would actually watch Dead Don't Die. And say it's like bad of outsiders because it's not at all. <laughs> there's, there's, the, the, I mean, so that, yes, was, but that's why it was funny to me. But I mean, I, I get I, it. For me, I believe the realism of the film, and that mm. was so clearly there as a like a insert joke structure right. here of being like, I said it's like this snooty film, and it's not. And I'm like, haha, it's not like that. I'm like, yeah, but someone wouldn't say that. Um, so that got my hackles up, uh, and so did the random train bit at the end. But apart from that, I thought it was no, no perfect, and maybe it would work for me better a second time those little bits I, and i would like to watch it i would like to watch a lot more of of his films because this is such a great working class film and i watched one more of of his i watched um i hired a contract killer which is like kind of the mm-hmm. same thing where it gets at these really interesting like working class specifics that i just think not a lot of other films do and yeah. i think it's great that he does it in this way where it's injustice towards these characters but it's just kind of like everyday injustice and there's not Mm. any ever like we need to go out and do something drastic and change the whole system and you know there's nothing like that it just it's kind of the way that just normal people live where it's these things happen and it's 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 just reality right it's just it's it's just the way the things are right to areas where they are isn't usually shown which is is so so cool to me it's it's not these grand polemics and that's why i i I do love this film 
I think it's really wonderful. And so much of the film is about these characters who, through cinema posters and through cinema, yeah. um, find joy and it reminds you that cinema is important. And the film is literally that. It is yeah, a piece of yeah. cinema that, that, that finds joy in that way. So it has that, that lovely meta twist to it. And a thing that I liked is that every time they put the radio on, it's about the, um, the war in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it reminded me of Bait. The, oh. There's bits in Bait where you hear like the radio and it's about like Brexit and stuff. It reminded me of Ali Smith's... Um, novels the seasonal quartet which are so great portraits of like modern britain and it does feel this way you're like there is so much horrible stuff in the world at the moment i know there always is but so much specifically horrible stuff and it it just feels so burdensome and this film is so good at representing the idea of when you are really struggling and you know the world is even worse right you can't deal with yourself right now yeah and i 100 and I've seen people come be like, why is it you every time? Like, it's such a great motif of her yeah, being like... that's because that's what I'm, the world is like, you know? What? It's... Yeah. Ugh. I think it's... Yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic. It's and, and I could and would like to keep talking about it, but we went yes. ridiculously far over time on that. But it is just such yeah, a great movie. it was movie. the last one, so we could. Um, but that's everything on my list for our, our comeback episode. Yes. So... And I wish I had more information on kind of what um, we're going to be doing going forward because we haven't totally figured that out yet. Yeah, I think we're, we're going to we're settled on a monthly cadence. Yeah, we're going to go down to two monthly to make it a little easier on mm-hmm. Stephen. And not that I'm but particularly also, busy, but get to the cinema, so it's just yeah, like mm-hmm. we'll have an episode where it's like we have nothing to talk about. <laughs> um, yeah, makes so. it easier makes it easier on everyone and we might be a bit more linked to digital release window rather than cinematic mm-hmm. release window i think we might talk about at least monster for the next episode i would love to talk and about monster maybe boy and the heron with that if i can get to that and yeah and hopefully poor things will be out for you to watch as well oh i read that, that book i would like to talk about poor things because i now think my having read the book i think i'm gonna think differently about the film than I would have done otherwise. Not mm. negatively. Yeah. Maybe not even positively. Yeah, totally. But it's going to be very interesting seeing how they chose to adapt that book, which I think is outstanding. So I'm trying to think if I have anything else to, to say. Yeah, so I mean, I don't, I don't know exactly uh, what the show's going to look like in terms of format. Or I kind of... Like. I kind of like to see if I can find some new stuff, change it up a little bit, make it a little bit different for uh, season two, since we are now apparently a seasonal podcast, just by nature of (laughs) taking a break and coming back. Um, Still, please, listeners, write in. I'm not going going to remove the the mail segment at all. It's one of my favorite things about this show. So please write in questions, comments, whatever you want to say, thinkingofspoiling at gmail.com. Send us a postcard. I don't have an address to send a postcard to unless you want to send an image I mean, of a postcard. Well, I do have an address. I'm not giving out my address on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be good lie to the audience, though. Um, Clearly you don't have an address. But, yes, please please write in. We'd love to, to hear from the audience as we come back and start making yes. episodes again. Thinking uh, of spoiling at gmail.com. Stephen, what else would you like to promote while you're here? I would like to promote a podcast called Throwdown, an action cinema. Oh, look at that! Promoting me podcast. Exciting. Yeah, I forget you got what the right. tagline is. No, you're right. Yes, <laughs> um, which is a new podcast from um, a guy called Vaughn Swearing and, and a guy called Jack Davenport. <laughs> That's correct. Um, who both like action movies more than I do, 
but have an infectious joy that even a person who is moderate on action but not so in love with it um, can find joy in their joy of it a nice positivity from genre experts that is a, a bi-weekly experience to get in your ear holes wow that was a, a great pitch probably better than i could have pitched it um so thank you very much Stephen. that is that is Throwdown. You, like you can listen to that on whatever podcast platform you prefer. You can find it there. Um, and it's mostly weekly-ish, depending on when Jack and I can get together to record yeah. um, and we talk about action movies. We try to keep it pretty, uh, as opposed to this show, which uh, we, we make as long as possible because we like chatting. <laughs> yes. um, Jack and I try and keep it short, so they're kind of bite-sized little episodes, about 30 minutes each. Um, we talk about different action movie every week, so go and check that out. Um, and Stephen, the stacks are returning. What's what are the yeah, stacks recorded, up to in the return? Recorded two stacks episodes um, yesterday. We recorded a feed drop to explain that we're back, baby, and then we recorded an office hours where we gave a Japanery breakdown. I talked about a lot of video games that I played awesome. um, in that time off and um, spoke about um, uh, uh, the fact that a new mountain goats came out the day that my child was born which was a fun coincidence <laughs> that's awesome so that let me talk about that new album which i thought was was okay um was it was really good but i have complex thoughts about it mm. to do that um so the stack's back um we're kind of like in a bit of preparing for awards so it's going to be a bit of filler reps until awards happen and then we've got two seasons coming up the first is samuel filler the film's of and then it's going to be the Psycho movies. And then we're going to go back to Spinning the Wheel. And that means the Patreon will be live as of awesome. March. So if you want to sign up and support the stacks, please do at patreon.com slash stacks on film. Go to <laughs> stacks.co.uk. Yes, I was going to say, you've got a website too. Stacks.co.uk, a website, yeah. where, which is mostly a front for me to just, just write at length. And I find it really satisfying. So read stuff there. Lovely. Um, I don't know if I have anything else to uh, promote or talk about right now. As always, go over to thetwingeeks.com to check out uh, new reviews of recent releases as well. Uh, lots of coverage there. Um, yeah, we'll be back sometime. Lots of coverage. In uh, March, I guess, will be our, our next episode. Ooh. We're going to watch March of the Penguins. <laughs> That's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to talk about March of the Penguins. <laughs> film from like 2004 or something yeah um, i've seen it so thank you again for listening uh thank you for listening especially if you have come back because i know a break can be hard on a podcast but we'll we'll, we'll, we'll be back recording yeah. more so please also thank you, you if you're new this must be confusing yeah it's true it must be confusing but hopefully it's been uh, an enjoyable way to get uh about two hours of bite-sized pieces of our our taste in films so um yeah. So I don't you, recommend that movie where that person killed a kid with a rock. Good to know. <laughs> Honestly, I kind of like it. But I don't recommend it either. But <laughs> um, so please, if you've listened all the way through, it would be hugely useful. I mean, you have, helpful. If you're here, I mean, maybe well, you skipped this point. To I mean, be maybe fair. <laughs> if you if you're listening, it would be hugely helpful if you could drop us a rating on whatever podcast platform you are listening to us on. If you would like to, it would be also great if you could share it, share it with a friend, tell someone else to listen to it. If your friends like movies, um, yeah. Anything Most else like good before, before I before I return to my sign off? Um, Godzilla sucks. Killing the is great. <laughs> I'm gonna add the Godzilla rules before I leave the podcast. On that note, uh, we'll be back in March. But for now, Stephen, I'm thinking of ending this podcast. Okay.
Dante, you interrupted my outro. <laughs> Whatever, I'm leaving it there. It's Penguin Zoo.